just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Last Friday marked the end of Water Week at the Utah Legislature, and Salt Lakers woke up this week with one burning thought. Wait a minute. You forgot to save the Great Salt Lake. I asked Salt Lake Tribune water reporter Leah Larson if there's something we're missing here. Because at the beginning of the session, the ledge seemed energetic about their plans to save the shrinking Great Salt Lake. It's Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Leah Larson, you report on water for the Salt Lake Tribune. For anyone who doesn't know, one of the most existential threats to Salt Lakers is our shrinking namesake. The Great Salt Lake is at risk of drying up completely and exposing toxic, arsenic-laced dust beds. Very casual. Meanwhile, lawmakers just wrapped up Water Week at the Utah Legislature, so I am dying to know, Leah, did they save the Great Salt Lake? (laughs) Mm, no short answer is no okay what we felt a little dry i would say oh yeah (laughs) so far um, as of today there's about maybe just over a dozen water related bills and maybe a handful of what i would call water adjacent bills and a few of those are already pretty much dead on arrival so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the session plays out wait what do you mean they're dead on arrival? They were bills that passed? Um, no, like they got stuck in committee and they probably won't see the floor. Like they have no chance of passing. I think one of those that got a lot of buzz was Senator Nate Bluen's bill about setting a target. Well, it wasn't even a bill. It was a resolution setting a target elevation for the Great Salt Lake. And that couldn't even get out of committee, which I think had a lot of people disappointed because it had a lot of public support. Yeah, I mean, people were pissed about that, specifically environmental advocates for the lake. What did make it out of committee? Anything groundbreaking? Well, Speaker Brad Wilson, his last Great Salt Lake Summit kind of teased this legislation called Utah Waterways, which is supposed to be like what UCARE did for air quality, except it would be for water. So it's like a public-private partnership um, that will work to educate Utahns on water and put some money aside for conservation. So that was a big one, but it was kind of interesting. Not everybody is on board with that bill. I think if you would think back to last session, everybody kind of lined up behind the speaker's legislation for the Great Salt Lake Trust. Um, But this Utah Waterways seems to be a little more divisive, I would say. Like the agricultural community doesn't feel like they're adequately represented on this. One of the committee members was saying like, why get... Um, earmarks like a million dollars a year to go to this fund. And one of the one of the committee members was like, couldn't that money be going to something a little more useful? Because, you know, water districts already work on conservation programs and education and outreach. So could this money be better spent elsewhere? So kind of interesting dynamic. Huh. So it sounds like these proposals are not very aggressive. Well, you know, there are some like smaller tweaking going behind the scenes. Like, for example, Last year and a few years before lawmakers were to um, allow water right holders to lease their water rights for like an environmental benefit, 
maybe to help a stream that struggles with water quality in the hot months. So, you know, a farmer could lease his water to that stream to benefit fish or could lease it to get to the Great Salt Lake. And that's kind of like the big thing that lawmakers that seem to be assembling behind is the big solution for the lake. We're going to lease water rights to the lake, but right now it's kind of hard to make sure that water gets shepherded to the Great Salt Lake. But I think uh, what a lot of people would say with all of this is like, there's some good policy, but it would have been a lot more helpful 10 years ago, for example, back when people were sounding the alarm that the Great Salt Lake was on this long-term trend of decline. So it's kind of like some good stuff, but kind of late in the game, if that makes sense. So maybe the legislation that we're seeing coming off the Hill is not altogether useless, but it doesn't meet the moment. Right. Is that Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Well, and what we heard from Speaker Wilson is, I mean, it's it felt heading into the session like this was his issue, the Great Salt Lake and water. And like he was really that. I don't know. I think we all kind of got our hopes up. And I have to wonder if that's why it was so disappointing that Senator Nate Bluen's resolution to set a goal for the Great Salt Lake water level got shut down in committee. Why do you think they they denied that proposal? Because I think there was suspicion that it's because he's a freshman Democratic senator. Yeah, I mean, you might be onto something there. He's, you know, pretty outspoken on Twitter. Anything I'd have to say about it would be pure speculation because kind of in committee when they were discussing it, they were being sort of vague about like, you know, if we set a target, then all the state's resources are going to go to this one thing, which doesn't make sense because this bill had no teeth. It was like kind of declaring, you know, poor in a public health emergency. Like there's nothing behind it. It's right. just like declaring this thing, like this is the target. This is where we want, we want the Great Salt Lake to be. That's how we know that our efforts have been successful, but there was no like enforcement behind it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not sure why it didn't make it out. Maybe if it had a Republican sponsor, it would have done better, but who knows? Well, last year lawmakers were floating the idea of piping Pacific Ocean water into the Great Salt Lake because, of course, the Great Salt Lake is a saltwater body. That said, it is not an ocean. <laughs> you dug into whether this would actually be possible because it was something that they, you know, we're exploring all options here, right? And it turns out it's very expensive, probably not the best route. But are lawmakers still considering this idea of the Pacific Ocean pipeline to the lake? You know, when I ask them, I kind of get the same response from everybody. You know, everything's on the table. We're going to consider all measures. Nothing, Nothing's out of bounds. So I don't know how seriously they're still considering it. I mean, it just is so expensive. And the thing I keep going back to is Owens Lake, which I think we all are familiar with by now as like the worst case scenario for the Great Salt Lake, you know, drying up completely. One of the most expensive dust mitigation efforts ever undertaken. So that's in California, which is next to the ocean. And even they weren't even looking at this idea of piping in ocean water. You know, it was much cheaper for them to just get water on that lake bed and do some engineering. So I think it's just a pie in the sky, you know, quote unquote pipe dream. I want to talk about the water train though, (laughs) because this feels like the new water pipe. I haven't heard anyone discussing this too seriously, like on the Hill. Yeah. It doesn't come up as often as a pipeline, but I think, you know, maybe there's some rail companies in there who think like, here's some way for them to make some money. If they ship water from the East coast to Utah to fill the lake. Kudos to them for being creative, I guess. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is When I Come Alive. 
It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court, and this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Well, Governor Spencer Cox released an executive order Friday to raise the Great Salt Lake Causeway berm to reduce salinity levels. Right. What is a berm? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us saw this and we're like, yeah, what's that? <laughs> I think you're right. Based on the, the, the chatter I was seeing on Twitter, I think you're right. Everyone was like, what, yeah. what is this? What, a berm? The Great what Salt Lake is a berm? <laughs> what does this do? Um, so I think if you've looked at, you know, Google Earth or like aerial images of the lake, you see it's two colors, right? Okay. Yeah. Famously the pink side and the darker side. Right. Like if you go to Spiral Jetty, for example, you've seen probably the pink water and how there's not a lot living out there because it's so salty. So the reason for that is there is a railroad causeway that Union Pacific uses that bisects the lake. And it used to be a trestle like made out of wood. But, you know, like I think it was in the 50s, they filled it in with rocks. So when they did that, they created an opening so water would still flow between the north and the south because the, the north arm called Gunnison Bay, it doesn't have any rivers that flow to it. Those all fl flow to the other bays of the lake. So it kind of cut it off from any new water supply. So they, they made an opening in it, but the causeway has just slowly sunk into the lake bed over time and mm. kind of sealed off the north arm, made it its own thing. So in 2016, state regulators made Union Pacific basically reopen it because they worried about the impacts this was having, having to the environment. And there's mm. an island up there where a bunch of pelicans nest and it was forming land bridges. So they wanted water flowing there. But with a lake in such dire straits, uh, one solution they're using is to fill it in again, actually, to control the salinity. They did this once before in July. Just basically what they do is take a backhoe and just move a bunch of rocks into this opening. So they tried it once before. It apparently worked. And so they're raising it even more in an effort to cap, you know, I, 
all the snowfall we've been having. They want to capture that runoff and make sure they keep the south arm from staying not too salty at the expense of the north arm. I saw somewhere someone describe this, I guess, strategy as creating two lakes, one that's basically dead and one that's not quite dead yet. <laughs> is that, is that, I mean, I know, I don't mean to be too bleak, but like I'm trying to truly understand and it seems bleak. Yeah, those were, those were actually my words. Oh, well, you <laughs> I said it. it. <laughs> what I said was one dead and one on life support, but you know, that's, that's yeah. essentially what's happening. And I know it sounds bleak and it's sad to think that we're sacrificing half the lake, but you know, like the North Arm hasn't been productive in a really long time. It's just too salty. And by productive, mm-hmm. I mean, there are no brine shrimp. There are no brine flies. Right. The, the, if you've been to the spiral jetty, you know, you don't run into the clouds of bugs that you see in the South. It doesn't stink like the South, um, but that stink is like the sign of production, right? That the ecosystem is functioning. Right. The stink is good. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So this is in the short term, the easiest and least expensive and least painful way we can save the lake, I guess, to keep the salinity levels down in the South. So we have a thriving brine shrimp harvesting industry. So we have food for the birds. So the, you know, the brine flies are already starting to disappear because salinity is so high. Um, So there's gotta be, you know, like if sealing off the North to save the South, you know, saves millions of birds, like, is it worth it? I guess that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Yeah. Meanwhile, though, we still have hundreds uh, you know, acres of exposed lake bed on the north that is eroding by the day. So that's a little concerning. But for now, it does have this pretty thick salt crust that's keeping the dust from becoming emissive, you know, blowing and turning into air pollution. So that will save us in the short term. But the longer it's, it's exposed, the more it erodes away. So this is not a long term solution, I would say. Well, the good news is we are having a good winter. We increase the lake level by a foot. Yeah. Go us. <laughs> but we are playing catch up. I mean, you don't just cover the legislature's approach to water. You cover water more broadly. How is the approach the ledge has taken over Water Week matching with what experts are advising moving forward? That's a good question. You know, a bunch of experts, conservationists and scientists came out with a report last month that I think grabbed a lot of headlines because it had this kind Mm -hmm. of splashy finding that if current trends continue, the Great Salt Lake to dry up in five years. I don't think that's really possible, especially, like you said, this good winter we just had. But I think what they were just trying to highlight is that, you know, the trends in the last couple of years have been pretty alarming, the the amount of deficits of water the lake has seen. And so they they called on the ledge and the governor to, like, take emergency action, like, you know, get water to the lake. That's priority number one. Like, you know, before we think about agriculture and all these other things, like, we need to get water to the lake. But I just don't think our policymakers have the appetite to do something that extreme. And you can see it would be very politically unpopular. And I don't even think that's, you know, you can't just blame this on Republicans, because if you look at the Colorado River Basin, like it kind of needs the same sort of emergency effort. And there's so many states at play there, some conservatives, some liberal, and they don't seem to have the political appetite to do similar things. So that is... Such a good point, because the situation at the Great Salt Lake does feel like a microcosm of the broader Colorado River issue that we're all in together right now. And you're right. Like, it's not just red states that don't have the political will. And we know in both cases what we need to do to save Colorado River and to save the Great Salt Lake, as in we've got a good amount of information. So I guess my last question for you is, I mean, Speaker Wilson gave a press conference last week and it felt like what he was saying was, well, 
that's the end of Water Week. <laughs> when they all dressed in blue. That's all, folks. <laughs> yeah. Hope you had a good time. <laughs> and so I think where a lot of us are at is, is this the end of state activity around the lake until ledge session 2024? Oh, definitely not. I mean, I think one thing that was interesting about Wilson's press conference kicking off Water Week is he announced, you know, one of his big bills is going to be to create a Great Salt Lake Authority. Because when you think about the Great Salt Lake, like one agency manages a lake bed, another agency manages the water quality, another agency manages the water quantity, another manages, you know, the wildlife. So he wants to create an an authority that kind of is like the one-stop shop for all of that. Uh, We still haven't seen that, though, you know, I think he's still working on it. I I would be surprised if we don't see a lot more coming out of this session. We still have a ways to go. Okay. That makes me feel better. (laughs) Leah Larson, water reporter with the Salt Lake Tribune. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Members of the Great Salt Lake Strike Team, a collaboration of experts advising the legislature, plan to release a report with options for saving the lake on Wednesday. Perhaps their ideas will catalyze some actual water bills. Water Week 2.0. I was feeling more optimistic before I got to this sentence. Quote, While we do not advocate for any specific policies, we have four concrete recommendations that will help clarify and guide efforts to save the lake, end quote. If this report has big lake-saving ideas, though, you'll hear about them in our Friday News Roundup. After all this talk, though, you deserve an action item. So here's a good one related to the terrible air we've been breathing lately. The Environmental Protection Agency is reconsidering their air quality regulation standards, meaning you can submit a public comment encouraging stricter, more specific standards for a place like Salt Lake. I dropped a link to the comment form and some context from our favorite air quality expert in the show notes. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.